This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. Hi, welcome back to the Danny Mac Podcast. I'm Dan McNeil. Glad you're with me on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. And it is that time. It's September in my world. And that means there are investment opportunities around every corner. Would you like to get better at wagering on college and professional football? My suspicion is, for those of you who play, all of you said yes. Not one person listening to this podcast thinks to himself, I got it figured out. I don't need any advice. I win every year. You're lucky if you win 55 or 60% of the time. And after you pay the 10% on the VIG or the juice, you're even. It's not easy handicapping college and pro football, but it is oh so exciting I decided a few years ago I needed to get better at this. Unlike golf, where I don't really give a crap about my scorecard. Yeah, I'd like to make more birdies. Sure, I'd like to break 40 every now and again on a side. But my self-esteem will not be damaged by a crappy round of golf. It, it, I'll get over it. I may toss my putter on occasion. Ultimately, no harm, no foul. I get the senior rate now at Wicker Park in Highland, Indiana, my hometown. So the, the 26 bucks or whatever it is I pay for the 18 holes of golf, I got my money's worth. I had a blast. Fitzy and I went out there, knocked the ball around, listened to great tunes, and smoked some great ganj. So there's no problems there whatsoever. When you lose wagering on football, it can hurt. And so few are disciplined enough to stay off when they're cold and not know when to get off when they're hot. There are some rules for wagering that I have found to be incredibly helpful. I probably was a wash last year. I, I might have even been a little bit on the wrong side of the ledger when all was said and done, but not by very much because I stuck to the credo that was shared with me by the most successful sports wagerer I know a few years ago, a former roommate of mine, the the, uh, the very good man, Roger Good, who has some very simple philosophies that I want to share with you today. But let me wet your beak with the greatest cover of my life because nothing sets the stage better than imagining those dice going in the air and before they fall, the excitement you feel. I'm breaking into Walter Walter Abrams, the character played by Al Pacino in the movie Two for the Money. It was awful. He, play, he plays a recovering gambling addict who runs a New York cable show tout service on college and pro football. He recruits Matthew McConaughey 
to do some picking for him. McConaughey is very, very good early on, hitting 80% of his picks, but he goes cold. And even though he himself isn't playing the games, uh, he gets really depressed. And it's a real, real awful movie that I can't take my eyes off of whenever it's on. Recommended. I should have mentioned this last week in my football movies podcast. Two for the money because nobody talks about this, about being one of the more compelling football movies and a movie about sports gambling. But it is the contention of Pacino's character, Walter Abrams, There is nothing that makes you feel more adrenaline shoot through your veins than when the dice are in the air. And that's how it is for football wagers. When the ball goes in the air, man, it's three hours of excitement, isn't it? It's a rush. It can be a fantastic experience, and it can be hellish. But my greatest cover of all time the most unexpected backdoor cover. Let me take you to Camp Randall, Madison, Wisconsin, October 21 of 2000. And I remember the date very, very specific. I'm usually good with dates, shockingly, for as much weed as I've smoked over my life. But I remember dates well. This one's easy because I quit my job the following Monday, October 24th. So or October 23rd. So this is Saturday, the 21st of October. Drew Brees is a senior at Purdue. My wife at the time, Will Purdue, uh, and and I and another couple, uh, we were on a Big Ten tour trying to hit as many Big Ten stadia as we possibly could. And this year we jumped on a Purdue fan club bus in Chicago and went to, to Madison. The only time I've ever seen a game at Camp Randall. They've made some nice changes since I've been there, but I'd love to get back to State Street. And I was a Boilermaker fan that year. I really enjoyed the college career of Drew Brees. That was the year they went eight and four and wound up in the Rose Bowl where they lost to Washington. They go to overtime and it's 24 aside. Wisconsin gets the ball first has a few negative plays. There's a sack. Um, Don't know if it was Rosie Colvin. He might have already been in a Bears uniform at that point. But nonetheless, they're going to attempt what I think was about a 60-yard field goal, and they trot out this Russian place kicker, uh, Patetsky, uh, Vitaly Patetsky, Patetsky, something like that. The Bears had him briefly a couple years later. I don't know if he ever stuck, but he was in a training camp or two. So he's going to show up and kick this 60-yard field goal, and I'm like, oh, man, am I screwed. This, There's no way a college kid's going to hit this thing from 60 yards. So what's Purdue going to do in the ensuing series from the 25-yard line? They're going to give the ball to the running back. I think that was Montrell Lowe. Oh, Purdue running backs for 1000 Alex. And just run it into the line a few times and send out their All-American place kicker, Travis Dorsch, to kick the game-winning field goal. So as the ball is leaving the foot, the greatest sound in sports went down. It was the double thud. It was the kick and the very cleanly blocked football by somebody who'd penetrated the A-gap. And the ball takes a perfect hop into the arms of a Purdue linebacker. Woodyard was his name. And he begins sprinting down the sideline. The Boilermakers are laying four and a half. 
That's what I failed to tell you up top. It's four and a half. So that three-pointer they would have had if it's a Travis Dorsch field goal does me nothing. So they block the field goal, and Woodyard takes it the distance. Purdue wins the game 30-24 to and covers the spread. Those are things you remember forever. That was 22 seasons ago, and I can remember – with my rolled up game program in my hand, hitting the side of my leg is that kid's taking the ball into the end zone like a jockey hitting his horse. Uh, Steve Cawthon unaffirmed in 77, bringing that kid home for the touchdown. But I have a few rules that I started following. As I mentioned, I think four years ago, these are my 10 commandments of football wagering. My guide to a profitable football gaming investment portfolio. And I'm going to begin with a shall instead of a shall not. Because I, I think, you know, don't, don't tell me what not to do all the time. Tell me something to do. I had a real good program director years ago. His name was Greg Salk, who always suggested things that he thought I would be good at. Take phone calls. Um, tell more stories about hanging out with your buddies, watching football. You know, he would give me ideas, things to do, not things not to do. So the number one commandment of football wagering is thou shall establish a monthly or annual budget and abide by it. That is the most important guideline in any form of gaming. I don't care if you're going to the casino, if you're buying freaking lottery tickets, you need to stick to a budget. And if it needs to be, if it needs to be maintenanced on a weekly basis, do it on a weekly basis. Uh, if you don't want to lose more than $300 a weekend, if that's going to make you uncomfortable, if you can't deal with your responsibilities, losing 300 bucks more than 300 bucks, then don't set a monthly budget. Make sure you set a weekly budget and don't go above it. Set a budget, stick to it. I don't care if it's football or playing the Powerball. You can't put down more than you can afford to lose. What did Mikey McDermott tell us in Rounders, Matt Damon's character? You can't lose what you don't put in the middle. Set a budget, stick to it. I I exceeded my budget, I think, the last time was, well, it might have been around that Purdue cover over, over Wisconsin. It might have been the 2000 season where I actually had to hide a little bit of money come December, taking it out of an, a retirement account. Got to hide that from the wife at the time, Will Purdue. And uh, that that's no good. Set a budget, stick to it. The number one commandment of football wagering. Number two, and this, there's a lip smack, $10. Thou shalt not exceed more than three moves per day. Are you one of those who looks at the line as soon as your feet hit the floor on Sunday morning and find seven or eight games you like? Man, you are asking to get your ass handed to you if that's how you approach football wagering. 
Three moves a day actually is excessive. Roger Good, I know weekends when he doesn't play anything. He often may just play one or two games all weekend. I'll talk to him sometimes. I don't know. Maybe it's week six, week seven. How's it been going, Raj? How have you been hitting him lately? I haven't moved since week two. He he cherry picks. You don't spray it all over the board. Don't exceed three moves per day. And I could argue three moves the entire damn weekend. It's a hard discipline among the hardest but it works. I understand when you need to have action, and I will get to that in just a little bit. That's in commandment number five. But commandment number two, the Ten Commandments of Football Wagering, thou shalt not exceed three moves per day. And that's actually too many. Number three, thou shalt not chase. Take your beating. Take two beatings. You play in the max three a day, take three beatings, and then live to fight another weekend. You've got to learn how to lay off and take your moon poundings. Don't come back on Monday say, I know this is the one that was going to do it. You've already lost three times. You went 0-3 on Sunday. And here you are willing to exceed your weekly budget, willing to violate the chase. Both of those are recipes for disaster, Tom Brenneman. Moment of silence for his over-the-air career. Thank you. Do not chase. Critical, common error. I'm going to get back what I lost. No, no, no. Learn how to lose. Conversely, commandment number four, Thou shalt not look at winnings as house money. That's one of the biggest mistakes I used to make. It still is is a very difficult habit to get out of. If you go 2-0 at noon and one of them was a larger unit play, say your usual bet is 50 bucks. You had one at 50, but you also had one at 100. Wow, now I'm up 150 bucks. That's free money, right? It's week one. I'm up. No, 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 no. If those were the best two plays you liked earlier in the day, if those were the two games you decided on at 10 o'clock in the morning, these are my moves. Don't deviate. Stick to those two moves. There's no reason to give away what you've earned. And I like to look at it as earnings. They're winnings. I know that. But just as I call gambling investing, I can call winnings earnings, right? It's, it's my world. It's the Daddy Mag podcast. Thou shalt not look at winnings as house money is a critical credo by which to live. Establish a walkaway number. Most people have, when they go in a casino, an idea of how much they're willing to lose. They should leave the ATM cards at home because you don't want to be hitting up that machine after you're out of your budget. And it's the same with winnings. Have a walkaway number. When I win $1,000, I stop. I take that money. All right, I take those chips up to the window. 
I get paid. I go out for dinner. I go play nine holes of golf. Do something different. Learn how to walk away. Learn how to be a winner. Again, Mikey McDermott. You see, I learned how to win a little at a time. A true grinder. I think he was talking about uh, John Turturro's character when he used the phrase, true grinder. Kanish, Parkins' favorite character in movie history after Johnny 23. Um, Number five, the number five commandment of football wagering. My guide to a profitable gaming investment portfolio. Thou shalt not wager on favorite teams, alma maters, teams with your favorite fantasy players, Jesus, teams with cool uniforms. If you absolutely have to have some action on your team, make it a lunch money move. Typically, if you bet $100, make your loyalty play 25 bucks, a quarter of your usual play. If you usually bet 500 bucks on a game, and I think that's excessive, unless you're a guy with FU money, I'm not right now. I, I don't know why you would you just, you got to stop doing that with loyalty plays, shave it down at least a quarter only of your usual plays. I can't pass my alma mater up this weekend. Ball State is getting 35 at Tennessee. When was the last time Tennessee was really, really good? T. Martin was the quarterback? I know they're an SEC team. I know about the checkerboard end zone. I know the lyrics to Rocky Top. Uh, Sitting on a moonshine still, right? Um, Basically a song promoting incest and alcoholism. Uh, I'm not going to play more than 25 bucks on Ball State. But if I happen to be in a position where I can watch a little of that game, I want to have a rooting interest. $25, top move for me on alma mater. Do not fall prey to betting on your favorite teams if you are not sure. You got to have action on the Bears opening day and against San Francisco because you're an ardent Bears fan, and that's what being a good Bears fan means, putting money on them. Don't put the full amount down. It's a small move on your favorite teams. A very good friend of mine who's pretty decent at at some credos on my Ten Commandments, but not on others, is very good on this one. I've asked him before. So you going big on Iowa this week? Alma mater. He says, No, I don't. I don't. I don't bet my school. He says that every year. And it's so easy to fall in love with teams once they go on a roll, isn't it? That's another trapping. Falling in love with teams that are getting you paid every week is is one of the easiest things to do because it's enjoyable. And I can remember so many fun teams that I pounded during the season, 95 and 96 Virginia Tech Hokies with Jim Druckenmiller as their quarterback. Coach Beamer is starting to make a name for Vatek football based on defense, special teams, a good running game, and a quarterback with a cannon for an arm. Druckenmiller was taken by San Francisco, I think, in the second round. Didn't do dick in the NFL, but he was a very, very good college player. And I remember those Saturday mornings in 96 on the Stairmaster in my basement and Vatek would be up on one of the little screens with a big 10 game in the middle of the big one. 
And I'm watching them. There's seven to nothing. There's 14 to nothing. Ken Oxendine touchdown, 21 to nothing. They're laying 17 and a half against Eastern Carolina, watching on Jefferson Pilot Sports. And they're just kicking the snot out of everybody week after week. The Buckeyes did that in 95. North Carolina, the first time Mac Brown walked through Chapel Hill, his 97 team, with Jeff Saturday snapping the ball to Craig Keldorf, bunch of NFL players on that team, most of them on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they've had a ton of stars. Uh, they were a fun team. They, they kicked everybody's ass that year except Florida State. 0-2 Iowa Hawkeyes. That was, that was a team I rode every week except week three. I went against them because I liked Seneca Wallace, the Iowa State quarterback, and I was convinced he wasn't going to conclude his career there without beating Iowa once, so I took the dog, and they beat Iowa. Iowa kicked everybody's ass the rest of the way until they got to the Orange Bowl when they got thumped by Carson Palmer and USC. But that was a fun team. Brad Banks, the quarterback, silver football winner that year, giving the ball to Freddie Russell, number two, played great defense, couple of really good safeties, played in the NFL, Bob Sanders of the Colts, Derek Pagel drafted by the Jets, didn't pan out in the NFL, and he died several years ago, but that was a great football team that covered week after week. And it's hard to not keep going back to the well. It's important to remember what you saw last week may not show up this week. But, man, once a team does it three or four times in a row, lots of luck staying off of them. Most importantly, number five, thou shalt not wager on favorite teams, alma maters. Don't do it. Number six, thou shalt not wait until game day to move. Ohio State, by the time the ball goes in the air Saturday night against Notre Dame, might be laying 21. Yesterday, it was at 17. As I record this, Wednesday midday, they're laying 18. By the time you hear this, it they might be laying 19. Those numbers go up. People tend to bet favorites. And if you are one of those who's a chalk player betting favorites regularly, it's a real good idea to take a peek early in the week. Especially when there's hooks involved and there's numbers like seven and ten involved. Six and a half is so much better than seven. And if it's six and a half on Monday, going to be a real good chance it'll be seven by the time they kick. If it's 17 and a half on Monday, it could be 20 by the time they kick. Sometimes they go down. The wagerers control the line. For those of you who don't know, I always hear sports broadcasters say, boy, Vegas showing no respect for this team or that. You know, Vegas is setting a number that is moved based on the action those teams get. Vegas doesn't really give a damn. If a team is 21 points better or three points better, they want equal action, so they insure themselves the 10%. That's how they set the line. And people tend to bet more favorites, so the line is inflated. 
Additionally, people bet more on home favorites. Don't wait until game day. Line shop. Look around. And I strongly would encourage you, if you haven't done so yet, this is more about budget, but it occurs to me I missed this early on when talking about that in the first commandment. Set up a, a, an online service with Bet Rivers. Set up your account today with Bet Rivers, which offers you a lot of flexibility. You can pick basically a team's future this year and the odds change for total victories in the season. You think the Bears are going to be worse than the six and a half it is at most sites? Well, at Bet Rivers, you can move that down to five and a half. You can move it down to four and a half if you want to. Flexible. You set up your account and start shopping on Monday morning. Now, if there's an injury to a key player, obviously wait it out. Number seven, commandment. My 10 commandments of football wagering, my guide to a more profitable gaming investment portfolio. Thou shalt not follow the advice of others blindly. Use the talking heads to gather information but don't regard it as gospel. Don't get sucked into thinking this guy's always right. I have a couple of different Sunday morning text groups, as I'm sure many of you do, whatever your hobbies might be, golf, whatever. My NFL groups, there's three or four of them on Sundays, and one of them is gambling exclusive. And... One of the guys always has to know what Jimmy Johnson says on Fox. I'm not deciding on a, what do you think of Buffalo and the Jets? I'm leaning, taking the point. I might say something like that and say, I'm not going to make a move until Jimmy Johnson gives his picks. Are you effing kidding me? Jimmy John, you know, the best guys in the world at it don't win more than 55, 60% of the time. There are guys I trust more than others. For the longest time, whatever Kirk Herbstreet said, I was going along with it. If it's college football, Kirk Herbstreet knows it. If he likes Michigan State at Penn State, I'm playing the Spartans. That's just how that's just how I was with him. But I've realized that nobody speaks the gospel. Stop. No one is real good at this. Even Brandon Lang, Matthew McConaughey's character in Two for the Money, got cold. He was, uh, he was not Brandon Lang, though. They invented a, a name for him. John Anthony. Yeah, John Anthony in his $1,500 suits and Mercedes. Yeah, he was something. Number eight, thou shalt not move aggressively early in the season. Hey, I'm excited football season is here. We all are. We recall that feeling of covering the number. When I was telling the story about Purdue's backdoor cover against Wisconsin 22 years ago, it likely reminded most of you of your most treasured backdoor cover. It's fun to wager on college and pro football. It adds to the excitement. Play guardedly early. It's hard for me too. 
If you like five games opening weekend, you're a fool if you put your big number on all five of them. I think that's too many if it's week 10. But if you've got to play those five games, nickels and dimes, my friend. Nickels and dimes. Don't be throwing 300 here and 500 there. I don't know. Maybe my podcast listeners are a very, very well-to-do group. Maybe all of you have 2,500 you can piss away every week. And in that case, don't listen to any of this. Just do what you want. I'm not in that bracket. I need to make $5,000 last a whole year. And I prefer to be in the black, which I've been three of the last four, maybe four of the last five seasons. So don't move aggressively early in the season. I'm a big week two guy, and I bet coaches in week two more than I bet results in week one. Now, very few teams play their best players much during the preseason. We saw a little bit more of the regulars this year, even guys like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, and the, the, the new guy in Indianapolis, Matt Ryan, played substantial minutes in the Colts preseason. There are guys playing a lot, Justin Fields against the Browns for the Bears. But you still don't know what you're going to get in week one. They still are nowhere near game ready. Therefore, don't fall in love with playing too many games in week one. Back off on the units wagered. And then in week two, that's when you trust coaches more than what you saw. Whether it's Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky in week two, I like Mike Tomlin, not even knowing the Steelers' opponent. How in the F does Mike Tomlin make less than Matt Rule of the Carolina Panthers? If you've got that answer, give me a call. Light them up. The number nine commandment, thou shalt not become attached to parlays or other gimmick bets. You know, the online apps, the, the, the apps for our phones... They they afford the younger gang. See, I'm I'm a boomer, obviously, by not using the language propo- uh, appropriately. My nephew sends me each each Sunday a screenshot of his moves on the NFL. But he, you know, Devontae Adams receiving yards over 87 and a half. Aaron Rodgers touchdown passes two and a half. Oh. He's a big Packers fan, obviously. He's always shooting me that information. I don't know if he'll follow Devontae Adams to the Raiders or not, but but he's only betting 10, 20 bucks a throw. He'll have a list of maybe 10 things he bets, and one of them is a multi-team parlay, which is absolutely hideous, but he doesn't put stupid money on it. He puts 10 bucks on it. That'll make a $10 bet. I'm in a different position than my nephew is. But when it comes to doing a multi-team, straight-up only parlay, I did this a few times last year. It's hard to pick six straight-up winners. I think I hit it twice out of maybe five tries. Circle six teams, all they got to do is win. Almost invariably, someone sticks it in the moon. So if you're going to get silly, you got to have that huge odds payout Go small. I'll bet a hundred bucks on that. Tops. Tops. A fraction of your usual moves on parlays. 
Now, one of my favorite habits, I, you know, I guess it's a habit because I'm, I'm not a big parlay supporter, is the noon 325 parlay. This is my best game at noon. This is my best game on the afternoon card. You hook them together. Here's my $200 parlay bet. Team A covers at noon. And now without touching the phone, without picking up the phone, I can win 500 bucks if Team B covers at 325 Or if you want to get really greedy, the all-day, all-night parlay, the three-team steamer, if you will. I got a noon skirt. I got a 325 team. And I've got the NBC night game. Good luck winning three out of three. It's hard to gamble and win on pro and college football. We lose more than we're going to win. But I have found it to be incredibly beneficial to slow down on the bets. Not too many bets, man. Keep it minimal. Do these things. Don't do the parlays. Don't do the gimmick bets. First to score a touchdown. Josh Allen passing yard. Relax. Relax. Real small plays on that. You're asking for a beating if you want to get silly and pay for those huge odd payouts. I'm going to end you on a positive. Just like I started with something you should do, not a list of just 10 things you shouldn't do. Thou shall review these nine previous steps regularly. I do it. I've read my list of commandments several times during last football season to remind myself that I might need to take a bye week. I've had a bad start to this season. I'm going to, if I keep going at this rate, my $5,000 season limit is gone by the time there's snow on the ground. Take a bye week. Review the nine previous steps. See, what I've done here is create the nine steps Richard Hoover was trying to create in the movie Little Miss Sunshine. Greg Kinnear's character, if you haven't seen that film, I think from Zero Six, you are missing out on a delicious dark comedy. Greg Kinnear, Tony Collette, um... Oh, Jesus, Mark Baum. Why am I not thinking? Steve Carell and Alan Arkin. Greg Kinnear's character, Richard Hoover, has the nine steps to having a better life that are going to make him millions. He's going to he's written a book. He's got lectures. He's going to have videotapes. He's running the ticking clock auction, as he says, described by his book agent, Stan Grossman. And the deal blows up. Stan Grossman, played by Brian Cranston. He had nine steps that he thought would ensure people a better life. Well, I think my previous nine steps I've given you here today are going to enhance your wagering experience. That's why I've come up with my 10 commandments of football wagering. My guy, uh, my guide to a profitable gaming investment portfolio. In review, number one, Thou shall establish a monthly budget or weekly budget if need be. Number two, thou shalt not exceed three moves per day. And that's too generous. Number three, thou shalt not chase. Take your beating and live to fight another weekend. 
Number four, thou shalt not look at winnings as house money. It's your money. Know when to walk away. Number five, thou shalt not wager on favorite teams, alma maters, or fall in love with teams that are on a roll. Number six, thou shalt not wait until game day to make a move. Lines go up. Shop early. Number seven, thou shalt not follow the advice of others blindly. Listen, digest, assimilate, do research. Eh, Don't think of what they're saying is written in stone because nobody is good at this. Number eight, thou shalt not move aggressively early in the season. Don't do it. Make lunch money plays if you have to spray the board on opening weekend. Number nine, thou shalt not become attached to parlays or other gimmick bets. And number 10, thou shall review these previous nine steps and do it regularly. Lastly, for this one, people are having fantasy drafts all over the country this weekend And again, next week, I have loved playing fantasy football for now close to 40 years. Is it that? No, I should say close to 30 years. I started, I think, 94 was my first season. I have had partners. I have done it by myself. I would prefer having a partner or at least a consigliere. Uh, Vandy has been my defensive coordinator in recent years. We say that jokingly as Frank Sartini has been. He's never been to a draft. Vandy had. But I'm looking forward to this season because typically the draft is almost like Christmas morning for football fans. It's not as fun as it used to be because of technology. It has sullied the experience of the fantasy football draft. Getting together, with, I, I know, I'm in an eight-team league, and there are a couple of shared teams. So you get eight, eight, ten guys together. It's a blast. But because of the pandemic, because of life situations, and because of technology, those attendances have diminished every year. People would rather do it online. The usual three or four-hour sausage fest laughs, a few drinks, a few tokes of reefer, if that's your thing. That's read from Shawshank. Now it's done electronically. It's hard enough finding a date for eight guys to agree. I couldn't imagine what it would be like to have a 16-team league and waiting for all 16 guys to say, yeah, that date works for me. No one's ever going to make that happen. But you don't have the same vibe you get online as you do and in my league a lot of us loved singing parody songs for the guy we would draft you take a lyric from a popular song and you put your guy's name in there so it rhymes nice and neat Uh, like when the former USC Trojan was a running back with the Tennessee Titans if you're going to draft him you might sing the ink is black he's Lendale white Uh, three dog night or you might sing the dawning of the age of Demarius if you have a guy named Demarius catching footballs on your roster. You remember Chiefs running back Mike Cloud out of Boston College? He didn't play in the NFL very long. It was a very, very short NFL career for Mike Cloud. But I drafted him just to sing the Stones. 
I said, hey, hey, you, get off of my cloud. Because I just dropped him. Of course, I've seen friendships terminated from fantasy football also. <laughs> I, I think this was... This was late 90s, or was it early zeros? Same league I've been in since basically 95. I think I, I did one year in a different league, and the rest has been in this one. The commissioner and his associate, part company, very, very viciously over the increasing cost of transaction fees. They have unlimited transactions in our league. Guys, guys available, pick him up. Used to be it cost you a dollar. Well, when Tom wanted to make it $2 because he felt that Jeff was violating the spirit of unlimited free agency by just stacking, re-racking his roster week after week, he said that's going to have to cost him more than a buck. That's going to cost him two. Words were exchanged. Gloves were dropped. No, they didn't. They didn't get into a fight, but they ended a friendship over it. I can't think of anything dumber than that in life to end a friendship over. FFL, effing fantasy league. I'm going to draft a young running back this year. That's that's my go-to credo in this NFL. The guy I have in mind is Nathaniel Hackett's number one. It's Javante Williams. It's the kid from North Carolina. And you could say, why would you want him? Well, he's not going to be my first player chosen. I'm hoping to get a little bit, little bit upgrade to that because he shares time, right? It's a shared backfield like so many of them are. This kid is just finding his way. He rushed for 900-some yards last year. He is going to be a stud. Draft, young running backs, how quickly they fall. Couple of cases in point. Chris Johnson led all NFL rushers with 2,006 yards in 0-9. That's a very small club. 2,000-yard rushers in NFL history. O.J. Simpson, Eric Dickerson, Barry Sanders, Jamal Lewis, Chris Johnson's in there. A very, very small group. He leads the league in rushing with 2,006 That's in his second NFL season. The next year, he's got 42 fewer carries, 650-some fewer yards. By 2014, he was old after six years with the Titans, and he goes on to the Jets where he was a shell of himself, couldn't find his way there. On to Arizona in 15, the first of three very uneventful years. A very fast decline for Chris Johnson as it was for DeMarco Murray. He's a great example of how volatile this position is. In his fourth year in the league, he leads the league in rushing. Uh, Last year in Dallas, he leads the league in rushing with 1,845 yards. They gave him the ball. It wasn't 400 carries. Eddie George, I think, is the last to do that, 4-0-3. It was 350 or something like that. DeMarco Murray was a workhorse. They ran him until the wheels fell off and then kicked him to the curb after he leads the league in rushing. It's off to Philadelphia where he's nothing that year, 700 yards rushing, a bit of a comeback with Tennessee in 16, almost 1,300 rushing yards, nine touchdowns, but after 17, he was done. 
a seven-year career for DeMarco Murray. So you wonder, who of this batch of running backs who you've liked is about at the end of the tour? Is it Christian McCaffrey already? He won't be on my roster this year. Primarily because Matt Rule is his head coach. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac podcast. I love talking football with you a couple of times a week. And I'll do it again a couple times next week. So excited for college football to get rolling this weekend. And the NFL, the ball is going in the air very, very soon. Week zero will not last forever. And next week, we'll crank it up even more with more thoughts on the Bears as they get ready to take on the San Francisco 49ers. Have a great weekend, everybody. My executive producer is Sam Michael. Adam Delavitt takes care of everything for me at Bet Rivers. He's been a friend, a former producer, going back to when Iowa football was a big thing in both of our lives in 2002.